0: This morning we're continuing our series on the stories of faith. And man, I love this how many of you guys how many of y'all have read the story of Gideon in, in Judges? How many of you raise your hands if you read the story of Gideon? Isn't it a great story? And we're not we're not gonna get into the part about the, the battle and all that because we we don't really have time to. But we're gonna we're gonna get to the, the meat of it, what got him to that place. And so this morning as we talk about fathers, we're gonna we're gonna talk about more, we're gonna talk about Heroes of the faith. We're going to continue that. So we've done all this series, a whole chapter of Hebrews. And every time we've talked about somebody or preached about somebody, it's been how their faith looked. It was actual faith. It, it showed up. Faith isn't just something in here. It, it's, there's an action attached to faith. Amen? And so we, we've talked about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Joshua, and Rahab last week. And this week, we're moving on to Gideon. So I want to refresh your memory with two verses. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Forsaking all, I trust him. Faith. That's a great acronym for it. In other words, we trust God. And when you trust somebody, you'll act out in faith. You'll act at your, your, trust will, or your faith will act out. So, and then it says in, in verse 6, But without faith, say without faith, it is impossible. Say It's impossible. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please him, God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, he is God, and that he, God, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He's all about us seeking him. He rewards us if we diligently seek him. Isn't that cool? Here he gives us all these gifts, and he rewards us just because we seek him. And so God is such a good father. So when we look at the chap, this chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrews, this whole chapter is about faith. And we look at the whole Bible. The whole Bible is a book about faith. You, God gives you the faith to believe, the word, that to believe that the word of God is true. You know, you can't talk somebody into believing the Bible. You ever tried to do that? Uh, how many of you are debaters? You like to debate somebody, and they'll, 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 they'll ask you these questions, those really hard, tough theological questions, and, man, you want to get back at them. You want to tell them this is how it is. Listen, without faith, they're not going to believe the Word of God because it sounds crazy. It sounds like a bunch of fairy tales. I mean, what we're going to read today sounds like a fairy tale. looks like something Disney made up. But it's not. It's true. It is the word of the living God. Every word inspired is inspired by the Spirit of God. So every, say every word. And this, in the word of God, every word is true. And, and I like what, what Tanya said. You know, God doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He's, he's not a God that he, he can't lie. Do you understand that? But I know somebody who can lie and he's really good at it. And his name is Satan. He's the father of lies. He, that's all he does is lie. So today, we're going to look at verse 32 through 34, and we're going to highlight Gideon. So we're going to be in the New King James today. 11, Hebrews eleven thirty-two. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, also of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith, who through, say through faith. Subdued kingdoms, they worked righteousness, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Now he's listing several men of God here. But we're going to highlight Gideon because Gideon, you can actually pick out several of those things and they apply to Gideon. Not all of them, but several of those descriptions apply to Gideon. So that's who we're focusing on today. Every person we've talked about so far from from Abel all all the way up to, who's the last one here mentioned? Um, David and Samuel. Everyone we mentioned and are going to mention were all flawed. Every one of them. And I'm not talking about just little flaws. They had some of them had great flaws. But they were all, they all, some of them made really bad decisions. Some of them lied. We talked about that last week about Rahab, how she, how she lied. Abraham lied. We, we see how, and, and you're going to see that Gideon was not a, a perfect guy. He was a flawed man. Even after God encan- he had a God encounter, he was a flawed man. But guess what? All of us are flawed. Say, I'm, I'm flawed. But thank God, thank God, he's made me whole. Amen? Amen? So we're, we're going to talk about these heroes of faith. And here Gideon is, one of, the, one of those flawed guys. But, you know, I, I like what, what uh, Pam said earlier because I even have it in my notes. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Dad, you're here this morning. I don't think there's one perfect dad in here. Even though my daughter thinks I'm the perfect daddy. <laughs> the card said it anyway. Uh, there's not one perfect dad in here. And yet God says, I'm not done with you yet. You may not have had a perfect dad. You may, not have, you may have had a really flawed My dad was so flawed. <laughs> you know, he was not the perfect dad by any stretch of the imagination. But he loved me. I knew that he loved me. And so uh, here's, uh, this word today is for dads. I, th- I really believe it's for dads that probably feel, feel like you've failed, feel like you haven't lived up to your calling as a dad. And some of you, you know, you're, maybe you're, your kids are estranged from you. It doesn't matter. God's got this newness for you today. Newness. Your new creation. Your new daddy. Whatever you want to call yourself today. So we're going to check out Gideon. Now, I like this. Gideon's name in Hebrew is pronounced Get-on. <laughs> Get-on. It's actually like Get-on. <laughs> but I, I say Get-on. And and it means hewer, it means somebody that cuts things down. So man, if you have a tree trimming business, Gideon would be a great name. Or maybe you're a butcher, that'd be a great name for a butcher shop, Gideon's butcher shop. Because he cuts things and he cuts things down. But we're going to find out where he was, what he was cutting at the beginning. So go back to Judges, we're going to do the back story, Judges chapter uh, chapter 2. Going to read a lot of scripture today, but uh, I think it's important that we look at the word and, and not try to take anything out of context, Okay. Judges 2, it's right after Joshua, Joshua Judges, Judges Judges chapter 2, verse 8. Backstory. Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath-Hederis in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them, who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Wow. Then the children of Israel, because of the previous verse, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all, who were all around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. That's sad, isn't it? How soon they forgot. But I'm going to say something to you this morning. How soon do we forget? How soon has America forgotten? This blessed, super-blessed nation, not even 300 years old, and as a, and a large majority of this country has forgotten, we've forgotten our God. I, I did. I don't do stats very often, but I, I thought, man, God put this on my heart. I, I think it was in the middle of the, in the night. He said, "Man," he said, "Harold," he said, "Not only did Israel forsake me, but so is America." Back in just the '90s, some of you were were, were born. In the, some had not were born in the '90s. Some of you are born in the 90s. Just that far back, um, this nation, when when they did research and they did the polls, almost 90% of this country, of the 300 million, identified as Christians. In the 90s. In the 2020s, the most recent polls say, now that number has dropped to 64%. That is millions of people. Sounds to me like we look a lot like the Israelites. We have forgotten who our God is. We have forgotten what God delivered us from. We've forgotten the miracles that God has done in our life. We've forgotten, we've forgotten, we've forgotten, and we wonder why our youth are the way they are. We wonder why our nation is the way it is, why we're battling so many horrible things, why we're saying good is evil and evil is good now. It's because of the church. The church has dropped the ball. The church, in general, as a whole across the world, the church has said, "You know what? I forget God. We're going to do this on our own because that's what the world has done." And now we're counting on them. We're, we're counting on missionaries from Africa to come here and preach the gospel to us. That's why I was so burdened this morning when our youth came up here. I wasn't planning to do that. I thought, my God, how many youth are not up here? Where are all the youth? Where are all of them? We make excuses as parents for not getting our youth to church, but you'll take them everywhere else, but you won't bring them to church. Get them instilled in the gospel of Christ. It's a little bit of a rebuke. <laughs> Pam said, okay. <laughs> I don't got no youth here. <laughs> What's important to you? Why don't we expect it? why don't we expect America to change when we it's not gonna change until we change. It's more than boycott and target, okay? Yep. That's cool. I'm I'm for that. I'm for it. For these un- ungodly companies that are you hurt them with the pocketbook. I'm for that. Hurt them. I think that's fine. Make a statement. But guys, it's not going to change until we change here. And we change here and we change in our actions. And we're walking in faith and not fear. Well, I'm afraid of what they might think. I'm afraid of what they might say. I'm afraid. Listen, Mm-mm. can't go there. There arose another generation who did not know the Lord. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they started serving other gods. Judge, judges 2 verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. God is so faithful. Woo! Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and they bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. In obeying the commandments of the Lord, they did not do so. You know, last week, this God just showed me. He said, Harold, last week you preached on Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot, Rahab the harlot, Rahab the harlot. And then all of a sudden, God came into her life, and all of a sudden, she was not Rahab the harlot anymore. She was, a, she was a, an ancestor to Jesus Christ. She was a great-grandmother of David, the King David. Isn't that cool? And now, she's no longer the harlot, but Israel now has become the harlot. The very people that God delivered and Tore down the walls of Jericho and help them to conquer enemy after enemy after enemy. Now they're serving the gods of those enemies. They went from being victorious to being victims. And God loves us so much, church, that he will intervene when you or I mock him. When you or I that say, I am a believer, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, and we walk away from him and we mock his name and we make him look like dirt. Listen, he will not leave you in that place. He will discipline those that he loves. And when we look at it, we say, oh, that is so harsh. Look at the next, look at verse Judges 6. Go to Judges 6, verse 1. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. See, God would raise up Judges. They would serve the judge, they would come back, and then all of a sudden the next judge, they were walking away. Next judge, they were coming back to Jesus, and they would fall away. It was over and over and over. Like they were like on a roller coaster of faith. Faith good, faith bad. Faith good, faith none. Serving God, serving Baal. And they were just on this roller coaster. It says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. Here are these, the Israelites that everybody was afraid of. Remember? Remember when Rahab said, oh, we've heard, we've heard, we've heard about y'all crossing the Jordan. We've heard how y'all destroyed your enemies. And and, and listen, I want to be on your side. And now they're the ones hiding out in dens and caves. You know why? And you know why Midian, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but Midian was hiding in a wine press and threshing wheat in a wine press because he was afraid they were going to come steal it. That's what they were doing. They were hiding everything. They were hiding out in dens and caves because the Midianites were just like, hey, we need some food, devil. Go raid those Jews, man. Go raid the Israelites. They're just a bunch of wimps. Matter of fact, they're serving our God. Now just go get what you need from them. You ever feel like you've been hiding in a cave because the enemy's coming after you? Well, see, God loves you enough that he will send some things into your life that will cause you to go, whoa. He'll allow. See, a lot of people, you know, the old devil, he can only do what you allow him to do. But God has set him free on this earth. Do you all understand that? God could. He could say, devil, you're gone, out of here. But he allowed him to stay here. It says he roams about the earth, right? To and fro, looking for whom he may devour. And say. So if you're letting him devour you, it's because God, maybe you're, you're in a place where God says, you need to turn around and look at me. You need to look up. And instead of looking out, instead of looking within, start looking up. So they're in a bad way. Israel's in a bad way. Look at verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Say what? <laughs> uh, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. What? Who, who are you talking to? <sighs> who are you this morning? Who are you? That's a question. Who are you? Are you a mighty man? Mighty woman of valor, or are you just hiding out until just to get by? Are you are you are you really who God says you are, or do you are you who you think you are? Are you who your daddy, who wasn't a very good daddy, says you are? Or your mama, she she says you're this and that. You're not, you're nothing. You're not worth anything. Are you that? Or are you a mighty man? Or are you a mighty woman of valor? I'm asking you, who are you? Would you declare it this morning who you are? Stand up and say, I'm a mighty man of valor. I'm a mighty one. Stand up and say it. Come on, people. Wake up. I have to beg you to do that. Come on. You are who God says you are. Quit living in that crap of your past who, God, who everybody else says you are, are, that failure, all the things of your past. You are a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it looks like this morning. You be seated. Dahlia, I don't know if you could keep up with that. It's just time, you know. I can do this every Sunday. And we can come up here and say, please, there's an altar. You know, I said, if you need to confess any sins, no, nobody's come down to confess their sins. Are y'all perfect or what? I, I mean, really, it just bothers me. Because I, I don't want to do this the rest of my life and just keep saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. We've got to do this together. You gotta believe something. That's what this whole message is about. It's faith. Forsaking all. I trust him. Gideon was intimidated. The enemy's so good at intimidating us. Isn't he? I I could have I could have 23. Four years ago, I could have said, Are you nuts, God? You're calling me to, to pastor? I'm a used car salesman. I like my life. I live at Bentwood. I've got a Lexus. I've got a pool. I've got two kids and a dog and a beautiful wife. Are you kidding me? I could have said, Forget that. I know who I am. I know my place. I'm not that. And he came to me and said, I called you. I've chosen you. I've chosen you. Okay, God. All right, where's it? What country club church do you want me to go to? <laughs> well not quite a country club. I've called you to the broken, to the poor, to the hurting. This actually, none of this is in my notes. <laughs> Don't let the enemy intimidate you. Don't let him tell you you can't. When God's screaming in his, your ear, you can do all things through me, Jesus says. I give you the strength to do it. I'm calling you something that you think you're not. Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. I know you're hiding. I know you think you're weak. I know you think the Midianites are just around the corner waiting to steal your wheat. But you're a mighty man of valor. And The thing I like about Gideon, even though he was all those things, he didn't run run the angel off. He didn't run God off. He didn't say, go, 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 go. Leave me alone. I'm happy where I am. He didn't do that. He listened to the angel Look at it, verse 13. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which your fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. You see, you see what he said there? I've heard the miracles. Yeah, I've heard my great-great-great-grandfather. I've heard them. They've told me about the Red Sea. They told me about Egypt. They told me about the wilderness. They told me about all these Joshua. I heard about Joshua. He's so cool. I've heard about Rabah. I know all that stuff. But why have you forsaken us, God? Hmm. Who forsook who? Who forsook who? Israel forsook God. Our nation has forsaken God. We, cha- we traded him in for some another model of something. We have. In general. Can I tell you something this morning? If you're one of those people that likes to blame other people or you want to blame God, stop it. I don't care what your daddy was like. You are responsible for you. I don't care what your mama was like. You are responsible for you. And God didn't do it. If it's negative in your life, God didn't do it. He's a good, good father. So stop the blame game. I've heard so many stories you can't even imagine in my office. People come, come counseling and they tell me all the reasons they're the way they are. Well, God says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's who he says you are. Verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him, to, to Gideon, and said, Go in this might of yours. <laughs> oh, it just gets better. Go in this might of yours. He said, I'm thinking, okay. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said, I love this. Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I can't do nothing. Are you joking me? Do you know my family? How many of y'all come from a dysfunctional family? Oh, my goodness. And they're all here today, Pastor. Yeah, you met my aunt, have you? Or my uncle or my grand? If we let dysfunction keep us from our function... By the unction, I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Kitely, Patrick Kylie, Uh always rhyming stuff. Don't let your dysfunction keep you from your function when you get the Holy Spirit unction, okay? Because we cannot live according to that. We can only live according to the Word of God. And you can live that way. You, you, can, you can go with a dysfunctional family. I can't do anything. You ought to, my family's crazy. <laughs> well, so? So Gideon thinks God must have the wrong guy. I remember <laughs> Mark Oliver was still at the church. At where we left and he was still on one of the boards and he said He said man, they they just can't believe you're doing what you're doing because you're just a uh, used car salesman You remember that until you tell us he would come back and report. He's one of the spies that we sent to the camp <laughs> <laughs> uh, And here, here's the thing I did not listen to, I didn't care what pe- I still don't care what people think or I wouldn't be saying what I just said <laughs> some of you may not come back i don't care no i do care i care (laughs) you you know what i mean we we can't let what other people think about us uh mold us and shape us that's being conformed to the world and he said we can't be conformed to the world need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and that doesn't come from the world comes from the word okay so, verse 16, and the Lord said to Gideon, surely I will be with you. I like that, surely. You know, I look that up in the Hebrew, it means surely. <laughs> <laughs> with certainty, I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Here's the thing, when God calls you, you got to know this, when he calls you, he says, I am not going to leave you, you're not going to be alone, I'm with you every step of the way. Even when you fall back, I'm catching you. Even when you stumble, I'm going to catch you. I'm, I'm with you and I, I believe that you can ask my wife I believe that with all my heart I had no we had no plan B you've heard me say this before we had no plan B we just had no plan B like what if this fail what if this do not work <laughs> we just didn't we just knew that this was what God called us to do and I want to tell you that it's the same holds true for you if, if God's called you and he's called all of you in some cap- capacity or another he says we're all to be ministers of reconciliation right nobody's exempt from being a minister, but if he's called you, he's with you. I think you need to understand that this morning. Verse 17, then he said to him, he said, he said to God, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from me, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering. and said it before you, and he said, I will wait until you come back. <laughs> you know, this is Jesus, don't you? This is Jesus in the, in the Old Testament. He came in the form of an angel, came in the form of a man. If you study it and go do the deep dive, say, this is Jesus. And if you want to argue that this is an angel of the Lord, it doesn't matter, but it's Jesus. (laughs) And he's showing up, and he said, okay, I'll wait for you. I'm going to need a sign. How many of you have ever asked God for a sign, besides my wife? (laughs) Okay. He asked for a sign. Uh, He didn't say no the angel. didn't say leave, get away. He said, just... uh, this is a pretty big ask, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Hiding in a wine press, bad family, dysfunctional family, weak family, Midianites all around stealing stuff from them, and they're powerful. And this angel of the Lord or uh, this uh, Jesus shows up and said, You're going to destroy the Midianites as one man. I think he had a right to ask for a sign, <laughs> don't you? You're going to say, get out. No, no, no. no. You got the wrong guy. No. He said, okay, if if this is true, give me a sign. Okay? Is this really you, God? You ever, you ever that question? You hear that still small voice. Remember? I know you're the still small voice. Okay, who is that? It's not my wife. (laughs) Is this you, God? Okay? So look at verse 19. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat, and the unleavened bread from an ephah of flour, I buy if was a, a flower all the time for Mary Lou to cook with. And th- the meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him, capital H, under the terebinth tree, that's an oak tree, and presented them. Then the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. Don't you know, he's like, oh, well, we're going to have a good meal here, <laughs> and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat. And the unleavened bread, and whew, fire rose out of the rock. And consumed the meat, and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now, this is, I love the word of God because it's, it's, you just never know where he's going to go with it. Because it said, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. He said, here's your sign, I'm out of here. Right? Anybody ever put a steak on the grill and said, okay, God, here it is. Show me you're here. I want it medium. <laughs> but he was, he, was, he was making a, a sacrifice. He was, was, this really is God. And so God showed himself to be true. And he blew up the stake. <laughs> and then verse 22. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Woo! <laughs> now he perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. Steak here, now, gone. Broth, gone, right? Bread, gone. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. You do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it The Lord is Peace. To this day it is still an offer of the Abyssalites. God wants you to build an altar. Now, I know we don't build altars like that in the Old Testament. So really, what does building an altar, I really had to think, well, God, what do you mean when we are to build an altar? What does it really, what does it look like for us today? Well, I think building an altar for us looks like worship. We are, the Bible says we, our body is the temple of God, okay? And I know when I grew up in church, we had like a real altar. How many of y'all grew up in a church with a real altar? And had like cushions and a little rail that you could, put your head up on or whatever and and so this is just a stage but when we call people to say we say come to the altar the altar is open it's really just a place where you can kneel so when I think of an altar I think of it's a place of submission it's a place of bowing down it's a place of worship you know worship is is bowing It's part of worship so and and it's an act that comes but it's it's not just a physical act It's it's a it's a it's a it's a spiritual act of worship he said, We'll worship him what? In spirit and in truth. I remember this old song we used to sing in the Church of God where I grew up. Maybe, I think, I don't know if the Baptists sang it or not. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed, but you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed. Until all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed, amen, and have peace and sweet rest. Listen to the last line. As you yield him. Your body and soul. That's an altar. It's a place where you yield your body and your soul, your spirit to the Lord. You made an altar. Is your life an altar? Is it a worship to God? Verse 25, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has basically erected and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. So his name's coming into play here. He's going to cut it down. (laughs) He's a hewer. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you've cut down, that you've cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants. I guess they were pretty well to do. And did as the Lord said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. I'm sure none of you have an altar in your home. and You've got a Buddha sitting here or some object that represents some God. I doubt that if I went into anybody's home here, you have an altar like that. Would I be Right. But they go, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but what altars do you have in your house? What altars are in your life? Are you getting where I'm going with this? What do you worship in your home? And this is serious. He said, I want you to go to tear down the altars of Baal. That's a big deal. It was, he could be killed for that. You'll see later. He could, have been, he could have been killed for that. Matter of fact, they wanted him dead for that. I remember, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying things that we do in our life that we have in our lives are, are, are gods, okay? We can make things gods. You can make your children little gods. I know some parents said, whatever the kids say, that, that's how they roll, <laughs> What do you want today, child? Yes, yes, oh yes, child. <laughs> you bow down to your children, and they, they rule the household. Listen, that's wrong. If you're letting your children run your household, but I I remember this. I merely remembers this because I, remember, I I think I, I found it on the internet one time, and, and hadn't seen it since. I didn't look for it. I'm just going to share it. But I remember NBC had an ad, a, a video ad, several years, many years ago, and it's showing all these the big sporting events that NBC was going to do that year. You know, I, I forgot what they do, but it was baseball, football, tennis, all these things. All the, And they said, at the end of the video, it said, come worship with us. Remember that? Come worship. And, and I think they took it down after that. I, I don't think, somebody might have said, eh, it might have been a little bit extreme, you know. 'Cause Christians sometimes they used to have a voice and, and they would say stuff like or we would write. I used to write people all the time. I said, Why are you allowing this language on this show? And and I remember Kixie, they they played a song by the Eagles and it's called Life in the Fast Lane and they had G D in the middle of the song. Y'all remember that? I called Kixie and I said, Uh uh, why would y'all do that? And they took it off. I remember they edited that part of the song. It's not edited anymore. Right? Some of you have some idols in your house you need to tear down, get rid of. Some things have taken precedence over God in your, in your home, in your family. God's not going to honor that, church. Just not. Every time Israel failed, they built altars to all these other gods, and every time they had been restored, what did they do, Ed? What did they have to do? What did he tell them to do? Go up to the high places, tear them down, tear down the altars. And some of them wouldn't do it. Some of them wouldn't do it. They, they would tear them down in some places, but they wouldn't go up the high places and tear them down because they knew they'd really get in trouble. So what is predominant in your family that has taken the place of God? Tear it down. Get rid of it. Reorganize your priorities. I know some of y'all don't want to hear this. I don't like to hear some of this stuff, okay? Uh, preaching to me, okay? Uh, I'm not going to read the rest of the scriptures. Because he did. He tore it down. But he did it at night because he he's kind of, you know, the Bible says to be uh, wise as serpents, harmless as doves, right? So I think he did the right thing. He did it at night. And then they came and told his dad. Uh, they, the, all the people of the Israelites came and said, Oh, we heard your son tore down uh, Baal the the idol and we want to kill him and his daddy took up for him even though his dad is the one that built the altar he said, hey 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 can't Baal take care of himself remember when Mount Carmel remember when when Elijah built uh, the, the prophets built the altar and 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 uh, they were waiting for they were praying to their God Baal to come and consume everything and nothing happened. they said, where's your God is he out in the is he at the potty that's really what he said. Is he out using? Is he out using the bathroom? Where's your God? And so, and basically, Joash, uh, Gideon's dad said the same thing. Can he take care of his own idols? Does, do we have to? Can, do we? Are we going to have to intervene for a God? So he protected his son. Daddy's backed your son's up. Okay, take care of your kids. And then we'll go to thirty-three. Skip, we're going to jump ahead a little bit. Verse 33. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Now here's the verse I want want to, want to end with. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Old Testament, it was special dispensations of the Holy Spirit. It's not like we got him today. We get him full time all the time. God would send the Holy Spirit in different times and different places to different people. Right? Y'all understand that? Y'all good with that? It says, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abyssalites gathered behind him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him, and he also sent messengers to Asher, to Zebulun, and Nathalie, and they came up to meet them. He goes on to do great exploits. He goes on to fight the armies and destroy the armies with very few men. Go read it. They're great stories. They're great events in the Bible. But it had to be a Gideon that was spirit-filled. It had to be a man that said, I trust you, God. You've called me. I'm going to be obedient. Now, what do I need next? And he's, God says, I'm going to send somebody to help you. And it's called the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, whatever you, you want to describe him. He's a he. And he came and it says, he, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. That sounds, like, that sounds like Pentecost, doesn't it? The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And all of a sudden he was a mighty man of valor. Amen. He was no longer the Gideon hiding in the winepress. Just like Rahab was no longer the harlot, she was now married into the Israelite family. She became the great-great-grandmother of David. Listen, when God comes in your life, when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, you're not the same person anymore. You're not who everybody else says you are. You're not that person from the dysfunctional family that can't survive, that can't do anything. You are a God-given, breathe Holy Spirit-breathed person of faith, and you're a mighty person of valor. You've got to believe that. Not because I said it, but because the Word of God says it. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. We are His chosen kids. We are His beloved. We are endued with power. We are the, we, we are the, the, the warriors that He's called us to be. We're not some, oh, poor, meek, mild, weak, people that can't do anything we're god's children we're the king's kids stand up